0: You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Hey everybody, Randy Bolander from the Third Cup of Coffee. Glad that you have joined us today. It's Monday where I am. Well, it's Monday where you are too, but that doesn't mean you're listening on a Monday. Whatever the case, we had a fantastic day yesterday at the bridge. Uh, Just so much fun and so much activity, so much life. Uh, It it was great. Uh, I'm going to share two clips with you real quick here. Um, One much shorter than the other, which is kind of a misquote from "Still Magnolias, but I won't get into that. First clip is a brief interview with... Josh Engel. Josh is a YWAMer who is a part of the Bridge family, and we're a bit of a landing strip for folks in ministry that come and go. And so Josh was with us, and uh, as his family is most weeks when they are in town, and I wanted to take a minute and just kind of introduce him to people so he would uh, have some prayer support and they would know what he is up to. And then in turn, we morph into teaching 1 John chapter 4, which led into communion. And so, fantastic week. Would love to see you with us live if you can join us in Kansas City. If not, online, either YouTube or here on the podcast. Enjoy. Joshua Engel, come on down. We do this periodically. You know, we are a bit of a, an aircraft carrier, a small one, but an aircraft carrier, uh, for folks in ministry. So you, you'll see people that are here for a couple weeks, then they're not, then they're here, and they're not. And uh, in, in many cases, they're out actually doing ministry stuff. And Joshua is one of those. And so I wanted to grab him for just a second. Joshua is with YWAM, but uh, you've pastored in the past. Give people kind of a, just a short snippet of where you guys have been and how you ended up here.
1: Oh, okay. Well, we're originally from Orange County, California, uh, pastored in San Diego, and um, wichita kansas and then the lord called us to join ywam my wife originally did that before we got married and um anyways we did it we've done it as a family our heart is to be a family on mission and i'm currently uh staffed at ywam kansas city and i run three different ministries but the main one is i do all, a lot of evangelism um in the city and at umkc uh if you guys have a heart for umkc we go friday afternoons just want to throw that out there you can join us uh, but then also i run the tiktok ministry so i i have a i believe god has a heart for gen z uh, I believe he wants to flip this generation. Um, and, and so part of that is to reach Gen Z, we got to be in, in person and online. Um, and so that's kind of part of our, our heart. And so uh, I've been running the TikTok ministry uh, since August. Now,
0: now, if you look across, yeah. when you said TikTok,
1: yeah,
0: everybody my age and older yeah. checked out. Explain to them what this is, okay? All right. Like they're five.
1: Yeah, so well, let me explain a couple things too. So if you've paid any attention to Gen Z, um, the average general Zer will spend about nine hours a day on their phone. So let me start with that. Um, they spend about three plus hours on social, social media. Two of those are most likely on an app called TikTok, which is a bunch of videos. And so you just kind of can scroll. You can just literally with your phone, you can just do this. And you can watch a 15 second video all the way to three minutes. And so my heart is if Gen Z is spending two hours a day on this place then i want to meet them there because jesus did his best work outside of the temple and so we need to do the same um and so have you guys ever read paul's letters just kind of curious do you guys ever read them but we never met paul right but it touched us right so in the same way you can make a video and you can reach gen z uh through tiktok Uh, you know in acts it talks about peter's shadow healing people well we pray for people to be healed all the time on tiktok and we have hundreds of testimonies and I've had even just on my own TikTok a thousand people that I know that have been saved because I shared the gospel on there um, and so we have a team of about 15 doing this where we have an audience of over 600,000 just just throwing that out there it's crazy right yeah. and we get to share the gospel to them and we get to disciple them um, and so I want to encourage you if you have a heart to reach Gen Z I'd love to talk to you because I also train people and coach people to do TikTok ministry and then we look at how do we get them off TikTok and begin discipling them. Because three minutes is kind of hard to disciple someone. So, but that's just kind of a, a short, and then we also have a heart for the nations. Um, and so we just want to see the lost come into the kingdom. We want to go to the dark places. And so social media is only dark if we're not there. So. One, one of the
0: things I love a lot about Joshua is I've had coffee with him a couple times. Every time I meet him, he's actually itching to go and go down and, and evangelize at the campus that's just that's where he's wired so we're glad to have you guys introduce your family real quick
1: yeah my wife stacy's in the back we have four kids um ages 13 to 4 and we take them to the nations and they bring people to jesus too so it's fun awesome thanks Joshua. <laughs> if
0: you have your bibles turn with me to first john we're going to teach uh a little more briefly than we normally do and spend some time in worship and communion at the end of the service. 1 John chapter 4, as we have gone through the chapters in John, we've talked about the contrasts that John makes in each one of the chapters. Have not taught verse by verse. We will circle back and and do some of these other passages along the way, but we want to look at 1 John, the first maybe five or six verses this morning. You know, if you know me, I'm I'm a big fan of Apple products. I have been for almost 20 years. I remember when I bought my first Apple computer and I learned that turning your computer off and on wasn't necessarily a part of the experience. If you had a Dell 20 years ago, you remember like just shutting it off and turning it back on was just part of what you did. You would work on it, till it didn't work and you turn it off. I remember the first time I realized, I didn't shut that off today. It just worked all day. That's amazing. Big fan of their products. Apple started in a garage in 1976, and they started making computers that did not include a monitor or a mouse or even a case. Like, it was literally just a bunch of wires and some chips together, and they went out and sold these things to people who knew what to do with them. They now have cash reserves of $200 billion. It has worked out pretty well, okay? Never never look down on the shaggy-headed kids working in the garage. You don't know what they're up to. There are two real key characters, I mean, maybe five or six, but two really key characters in Apple lore. One, of course, is Steve Jobs. Now, Steve was a visionary. He had a knack for telling people what they wanted when they didn't even know what they wanted. And he was confident in it. And he would even tell you when you were using his products wrong. The Apple, uh, the iPhone, I think, 4 was it came out, and if you held it a certain way, it would lose the call. And his first response was, you're holding it wrong you're using my device wrong and he convinced everybody oh we've got to hold our phones differently he is a visionary some point sometimes to the point of being obnoxious and when he passed away from a pancreatic tumor tim cook stepped up as the ceo and rarely has any company much less as large successful one made such a radical transition in ceos because tim cook is not a visionary Some complain now that Apple's not innovating like they should. But Tim is a perceiver. Steve Jobs told you you needed a phone that didn't have any buttons. You never even thought about that before. Tim Cook realized you wanted them in several sizes and you wanted them in different colors. Tim has a knack for perceiving things that maybe Steve didn't. Of the two, Steve Jobs is the mythical figure. He's the one that everybody writes the books about. He's the one that they make the movies about. And everybody wants to be a visionary, and we need those. But it's a very hard skill to develop because you were born with the imagination you have. And not everyone really is a visionary. People like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk are rare. They're freaks of nature, and we need them, but we don't need too many of them. There's really not a high need For multiple, multiple visionaries, we can only go so many directions. But moms, dads, single adults, business owners, employees, don't worry about being a visionary. What we really need are perceivers. People who can see what is going on right in front of them and what might not be obvious to everybody. I have learned over the years that sometimes I'm not as good at perceiving things as I think I am. In chapter 43 of Isaiah, the Isaiah is directing his prophetic canon to those who are in exile in Babylon. And he recognized that there is a trend among the people that are struggling or in captivity. They tend to look backwards. They tend to look at the good old days. If you've ever gone through a struggle and you're hurting, what do you look for? You look back to when it was good. And he celebrates that to an extent, but freedom when you're captive, even if things were good before, freedom is forward. And in Isaiah chapter 43, he tells him, look back for a moment, remember what God has done. Then he tells him, Okay, stop. Stop looking back and look forward. He tells him, Remember my salvation, remember the Red Sea, remember our history. Okay, stop. Snap out of it. Look forward. Why? Because fascination with former things can stop us from seeing what God is doing right in front of us. And in Isaiah 43:19, he says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth in the desert. Do you not visionize it? Do you not perceive it? He goes, it's happening. Whether you like it or not, it's happening. Do you perceive it? Can you understand what is going on here? Perceivers are more important than visionaries at this point because God is already doing something, and if you miss it, doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but you might miss out. The future belongs to visionaries, but the present belongs to those who can perceive what God is doing. And sometimes we just can't perceive very well spring of 2003 kelsey and i decided to move to kansas city left our role as a pastoral staff at the vineyard and moved here to kansas city and when we announced we were moving my assistant danielle came to us like the next week and sat down and said i want to come with you we said okay so Danielle moved about two weeks after we did, moved in our house, just kind of became a part of our family and lived with us. And we had been here a few months when we met a guy named Sean. Sean had come to speak at a conference, or come to visit at a conference that I was speaking at. We met him afterwards, and Sean was wild. Sean, was, Sean lived next door for a while, a while to the Jackmans. they know. Sean was wild, had this bushy red hair, this bushy beard. He was a software engineer. He was a little prophetic. He was completely unhousebroken. Like, he was just, he was a crazy man. Sean was living in Los Angeles at the time, and pretty soon he starts to come visit us about every three weeks. He'd fly out, we'd hang out, and it was just fun. things were unpredictable when Sean was around. Something would happen, it was always fun. And my mom, who's now in her 80s, most of you know my mother, uh, my mom one day goes, Sean is not coming to see you. We're like, (laughs) what? Sean's coming to see Danielle and i said no i didn't perceive it they've been married 15 years they have six kids mom was probably right he was coming to see i just didn't perceive it this week we're diving into a couple of verses there in first john chapter four and if you do not perceive something at the beginning you miss it okay the big contrast that we find in this chapter is really near the beginning. In this series, we've taken five weeks just looking at main contrasts, and the contrast here we're looking at are about things happening at a level you don't see with natural eyes, but is just as concrete as your best or worst physical day. Here's the premise that you've got to buy into if we're going to navigate this contrast. This is what we must perceive. There is an unseen world that operates around us and through us at times and that world is made of opposing spiritual forces. You don't buy that, you miss everything. You don't perceive that, and you end up being a part of it and not even being aware. The spirit world is like the AARP, you may already be a member, okay? Stuff is moving, and you're like, I don't think that's real. It's like, you don't know think real, you're manifesting in it. You're actually manifesting a spirit you don't even believe in. The question is not if it's biblical or not. The question is, do we perceive it? Because it's happening one way or the other. Failure to perceive what is going on in this realm wreaks havoc in this realm. Because if we can't perceive what is happening, we participate in it, we don't even know. Look at 1 John. I'll read the first four verses, and we'll back up and kind of go through this a little bit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray for a minute. Father, we ask, in the next few minutes, you would unfold your word to us and that we would perceive reality that supersedes what we call reality. We would understand the movement the spirit of jesus in jesus name amen so here's the contrast the spirit of god and the spirit of the antichrist and when you say the word antichrist to a large group of people some people lean forward and go it's gonna get good other people lean back goes it's gonna get weird you're both right Okay? But when I'm talking about the spirit of the antichrist here, he is not talking about the end of age character who will walk on the earth and wreak havoc. That's not what he's referring to. He is referring to the spirit that that one will operate under, which is also a spirit that operates in our world. Okay? So he is not telling you, you know, watch the news, there's going to be a character. Yeah, that's all hap- that's all said in other places. He's talking about a spirit that manifests among people that really is an anti or an against Christ. Spirit. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.4 talks about that individual at the end of the age, and it describes him as one who opposes and exalts him against every so-called God or object of worship, so he takes a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. That's all a reality. That's all at the end of the age, but don't get sidetracked by the Antichrist language and think that that is all we are talking about. The Antichrist spirit is one you are way more familiar with than you wish you were. With the mystery and the pomp and the circumstance surrounding that end-of-age character, many of us fail to perceive the reality of an antichrist or an against-Christ spirit among us today. And while the individual of the antichrist is yet to be revealed and operate among us, the spirit of the antichrist is everywhere. And when we lack an ability to perceive, there are times that people actually speak the name of Jesus but operate in that opposite spirit our lack of perception sets us up not only for deceit but even at times for participation in that spirit we would not be the first people who could not perceive what was obvious jesus walked and talked with people for three years looked them directly in their face taught them they were close to him they knew his chipotle order they knew what he smelled like when they walked too far they knew him and yet he told them in Matthew 24:24, 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. He said, there are going to be people who come and speak in my name who are not of me, and some of you who have known me well are going to go, oh, it could be God. This is why 60 years later, John the Beloved writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. For many false prophets have gone after you in the world. He's saying, test the spirits that operate among you, I would even say in you, test your own spirit, because there is an antichrist spirit and if you don't perceive it you can even participate I'll give me a couple indicators of this antichrist spirit again not talking the individual we're just talking about a spirit that operates in the way of the opposite of the way Jesus would operate first the antichrist spirit proclaims a Jesus who is not god or man proclaims a different Jesus 1 john 4, 2, and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come from the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, John writes a lot about Jesus. Like, he just writes a lot about him, and he calls him different things. He calls him the son of Joseph. He calls him the word that was in the beginning. calls him the son of God. Other places, he calls him Jesus, but when differentiating him from the Antichrist spirit, he calls him jesus christ come in the flesh he uses this long moniker for jesus that he's other places he use a very short name why remember when your parents would use every name you have i got some kids with four names all four names come out They later ooh, this is serious he uses all of the monikers of jesus here because he's accentuating he is not talking about just a human being And he is not talking about a spiritual being that is so separated from man that nobody can relate. Jesus' talk does not necessarily equate honoring Jesus with all that is due him. It's interesting how many people have no interest in following Jesus but want to talk about him. But they don't really know a Jesus that is fully spirit and fully God. One of the most interesting things to me is how Many magazines over history have done articles, and they're all the same article. Discover the true Jesus. I mean, it it took me two seconds to find a National Geographic article called The Real Jesus, a Life Magazine article, Jesus, Who Do You Say That I Am?, Smithsonian, Unearthing the World of Jesus, a New Yorker article, said, What Did Jesus Do?, History Channel, The Bible Says Jesus Was Real, What Other Proofs Exist?, and my favorite one, this is the one if you're looking for spiritual direction and how to build a good uh, treehouse, Popular Mechanics, finding the real Jesus. Let me tell you, if you're looking for the real Jesus, don't go to Popular Mechanics, okay? Every mag, major magazine has written some weird article on who Jesus is, but they do it in a way, that, they, like, aside from what we know from the Bible, Aside what we know from people who know him, what do we know about Jesus? Well, jack squat. Like, that, it would be like saying, I want to write an article about Joshua Engel, but I'm not going to talk to anybody who really knows him. I'm not going to talk to the most historical articles about him. I'm just going to hypothesize. There's no way I could capture the essence of who he is. In, 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 from that, But yet, these are the articles. They don't know who he is. And only Christianity seems to be subject to that kind of thing. Nobody writes about Islam this way. September 2005, a Danish magazine published a series of drawings about what they thought Muhammad would look like. It caused riots at Danish embassies around the world. 250 people died. The Danish prime minister at the time, Anders Rasmussen, is that not the most Danish name you've ever heard? anders rasmussen was quoted as saying the controversy was their worst international relations incident since world war ii when they published four bad pictures of muhammad so muhammad is never examined this way but why is jesus he's on the cover of every magazine and his essence is questioned. and in almost every case the articles start in the similar way we know what the bible says but who is really jesus the Antichrist spirit is one that wants to minimize both Jesus' humanity and his divinity. It wants to divorce those two things and doesn't want to talk about them at all. And a Jesus who did not come from the Father is just another human being. But a Jesus who did not shed real blood is no sacrifice for you. The real Jesus is both of those things. Don't settle for a Jesus who is less than fully God or fully man say well what's this look like in a practical way when you're at the book club like you are or you're with friends and somebody makes a comment about you know Jesus was a good teacher but there are many ways to God I want you to go to elf mode no he's not okay remember that scene from elf he's Santa no he's not I want you to go instantly into elf mode. no he's not he's not just a good teacher He's not just a man who walked the earth. He's not just a spirit being. He is both God and man. And if he is not that, he is not what we needed. Jesus carried the very spirit of his father. He was fully God in a human frame like ours. And it wasn't even the best of human bodies to be had. Isaiah 53 describes him as he had no form or majesty that we should look upon him, no beauty. He wasn't even handsome. He was more normal than we wish we kind of wish he had a cape you know but he was human and he was divine the God of heaven wrapped in a broken body that would experience death so that you could experience life has authority in your life in a way that an antichrist or a half god or well he was all human that individual does nothing for you and the declaration of Jesus like that is actually an antichrist spirit of making him less than he was. The true Jesus is both God and man. Here's another indicator of that Antichrist spirit. The true Jesus, we read from this pastor, is a pass, this pastor read from this passage, is an overcomer. The Antichrist spirit is embraced by and seduced by the world. 1 John 4, 4 and 5. Little children, you are who are from God and have you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world they are from the world therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them overcome them who's them he's writing about those who are under the control of an antichrist spirit and believing that Jesus is less than they described He's writing about these people who've come under this weird Vulcan mind control of an evil spirit that uses Jesus' words without Jesus' authority or Jesus' mindset. The Antichrist spirit has risen up, hear me, under the skirts of the church and told people in the church that the sin that they live with must be endured, tolerated, and coped with. And that the struggle that you have had is one you're probably going to have forever. Jesus will help you endure it. Now, Jesus does help us endure, and Jesus does help us cope. But it is an antichrist spirit that says that is all that he can do. The spirit of Jesus that is in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world. And he paid a high enough price for you to reach for victory, not just coping with your problems. Why would people come to a Jesus that operates more like Valium? than actual freedom my kids enjoy these indoor trampoline places you know you've seen these spring up every strip mall has got one and they've kind of shut down a little bit over covid because even in best of days they were kind of like a human petri dish let's put a bunch of sweaty kids in a room what can what can possibly happen but when we would go to them they're the bane of every father's existence okay because you decide you're going to be mr super dad you're going to take your kid to this indoor trampoline thing. And, of course, you decide that because it's too cold or too ugly to be outside. Every other super dad has had the same thought. So you get there, and it's completely crammed. And you pay the fee, and then you buy the trampoline socks. What is a trampoline sock? It's another $4. That's what it is. So you pay the trampoline sock fee, because apparently your socks are not trampoline approved. And you get your kids in there, and they're bouncing, they're bouncing, and they're looking around, and they're looking around, and they see another attraction. And they go, oh, dad, let's go look. There's, a, there's a, a beam over some balls, and kids are whacking each other with sticks and they're knocking each other off. And I'm, oh, let's go do that. And you go over there, and then you realize that you have a bronze wristband. This is a gold attraction. Sorry, kids, your dad didn't pay for that. Oh, well, what about over here? There's a trampoline with a basketball hoop, and you know, even dad can dunk, and this is awesome. Let's go. And you go over that, and oh, sorry, kids, this is a silver attraction, and you got the bronze wristband. Dad didn't pay for that. There is nothing promised in the Bible that when you get there, you will be told, Dad didn't pay for that. 1 Peter 2 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. That's a big switch. You can die to sin and live to righteousness. You don't have to just cope with the sin. You don't have to just explain to your spouse, you've always been this way. Some of you said that to your spouse on the way to church. But you can change, okay? You can die to sin, you can live to righteousness, and by his wounds you have been healed, and you never get to the attraction in Jesus' goes, gotta Go. Sorry, you got to go, you've got a bronze wristband. Dad didn't pay for that. The Antichrist spirit, which comes in the trappings of religion and help, has paid nothing for your freedom and tells you you're just going to have to settle for brokenness. You're just going to have to, and everybody around you is going to have to settle too, because the wristband is one that your dad didn't pay for. And much of the voices of people who say that are in the church when they speak to people with addiction, sexual dysphoria or relational brokenness, their only words to them are, you just got to have to cope. Now, I do not want to speak lightly of long-term struggles that people have had over the course of their lives. That grace, grace to them, but grace and freedom, okay? Grace and release, grace and more that your father paid for. Those who don't claim christ's power to overcome are actually of an antichrist spirit and the world loves them scripture says they come from the world world loves them why because they are selling a jesus that does not expect change that's a sweet deal if you don't want to change okay it's a sweet deal if you can have jesus and not express any desire to be any different than you were before you had jesus because he's here to help me cope no, he's here to make all things new. That's the wristband you got when you really ask for Jesus to come into your life. The Antichrist spirit tells you, sit down and learn to cope with your own sin. It's all you will ever do. The spirit of Jesus overcomes because there's nothing that he hasn't already paid for. Finally, one last indicator here. Those with the spirit of Jesus work within human authoritative structures to bring glory to god the antichrist spirit cannot stop at being antichrist it is also antichrist's bride now some of you grammatically that that troubles you because it sounds like frankenstein's bride that's not what i'm talking about okay the antichrist spirit is also anti the church the bible clearly teaches of the priesthood of all believers an equal standing before God. In this room, before the Father, there is no hierarchy. Okay? If you came to Jesus yesterday and somebody here has been serving the Lord 50 years, you're on equal standing. All right? There, it's not, there is no, not a multi-level plan. However, then to challenge our hearts, he teaches us about things like using broken humans as an authority structure and says, if you have my spirit, you'll find a way to work together. He says the spirit of Jesus hears us and recognizes our authority. Who is the we he's talking about there? We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Who is the we he's talking about there? John's talking about those like him with apostolic authority. Now, he never claims perfection. In fact, if you read the writings of the apostles, they regularly say, "You know, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm I'm no different than you." However, the Lord sets structure in place, and He's saying there, "You've called us to lead, and those with the spirit of Jesus understand authority structures and work within them." Let me save you some exceptions that you may be thinking about already. Okay, every leader you ever have will blow it at some point. They're going to blow it. They're going to speak too quickly. They're going to make a bad call. Nobody's perfect. Even the apostles said, we're not perfect. But those with the spirit of Jesus understand and work within structures that the Lord has built. And those with the spirit of the Antichrist are absolutely unteachable in character and will not follow anybody. A good question that I like to ask people is, you know, who are you tracking with? Who, who are you who are you gleaning from? Who are you learning from? Who are you listening to? And if they draw a blank, that tells me that they've not made them subject themselves subject to anyone. And they're not really learning, and they're not actually really being discipled. The biggest gap in the church of the present and I would even venture to say these are things we need to build out among ourselves, I'm including us, okay, is this structure of discipling and growing and maturing believers through small groups, through one-on-one meetings, challenging, because it's easy to slip in even to a, a meeting of this size, hear good worship, decent preaching, I'll feel a little challenge, walk out, not be changed a bit, and nobody asks. Those with the spirit of Jesus say, hey, we're accountable to one another. How can we grow? There are people in authority even over me, and how can I learn from them? Those who operate in the spirit of Jesus turn to one another and say, help me grow. Hold me accountable. Let's build together. To skirt the gospel by avoiding the structure that would help you be discipled by others will lead you to operate in a spirit that is actually anti-Jesus. It's a good, good exercise for you this afternoon. Ask yourself, who would I really consider myself accountable to? Who could call me and say, I think I see a problem? And that you would go tell me about it rather than start to crank up the defense somatic. You know, I have friends, even within this church, who I have told, if you tell me to pull the plug, I will pull the plug, and we'll talk about why later. Like, I'm that accountable to you. I've got other friends in in the world who are in that. I had a friend a couple days ago, tweeted something. I'm like, Are you out of your mind? Like, I can't believe you just said that publicly. Texted him, Can I have a brotherly word with you? He replies, It's about the tweet, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it's deleted. (laughs) Okay, that was easy. But you know what? That's a guy who understands how the body works. That's a guy who who is willing to be refined. I want to ask if the worship team would come up. We want to take a little time here and celebrate communion and celebrate the fullness of who Jesus is. Fully God, fully man. Were he not a man, his sacrifice would have meant nothing. Were he not God, he would not have had the strength to make it. And so this is how we're going to do this. I want to read a couple of scriptures about why we do this. Worship team is going to play. I'm going to ask some of our, our leadership team to grab a, a little bag over there, find a space around the room, anywhere. And as we worship, I would encourage you to go as a family, maybe in twos and threes. Maybe you came along, came by yourself. Jump in with somebody else. If you see somebody by themselves, jump, grab them. Go receive communion, take a moment, pray together. We've got the time to do this. We will not always be able to do this this way. We can do it now. Matthew 26, 26 to 29 says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when they had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it new with you and my Father's kingdom. He says, you remember my death. You celebrate this. He said, I'm going to fast from this until we can do this together. So we celebrate communion to remember the death of the Lord. We celebrate communion to pursue healing. Isaiah 53, 8 says, But He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we were healed. And finally, we celebrate communion to find community. 1 Corinthians 10, 17 tells us, Because there was one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. We do this together. We do this as a family. Rachel's going to lead us in worship. I want to ask if our leadership team would would come and uh, grab some of the communion bags here, find a spot, and as we worship, just when when you would like, step up to one of those teams. When you're done. Maybe find a place, continue to worship. If you need to leave, feel free to do that. Father, we love you. We love you, Jesus. If it helps you engage in worship, encourage you to stand. Lord, we come to you, and in this moment we ask that we would encounter the real Jesus, the true Jesus, fully God, fully man. The broken body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body. Meet us now. We
2: ask.